Our Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to understand those words that we have just heard read. And we pray that you would change us as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, some things change you forever and you always remember them. Some things change you forever and you always remember remember them. Now, is there anyone here who can um, suggest some ways in which uh, people commonly uh, remember things year after year, uh, big moments in our lives that we remember? Uh, Yes, go on, Sam and Jen up there. Wedding days, you're thinking, yeah, you're, you guys are recently married. Wedding days, I'm glad you said that. I've got um, a wedding photo album here from when Rebecca and I got married. And uh, sometimes on our anniversary, we'll look through this and go, oh, doesn't Rebecca look nice? And oh, why did Chris do his hair like that? Things like that. Um, that's a great thing that we remember together year after year. What other big moments in our lives do we remember? Christmas, yeah, we remember Christmas and uh, Jesus being born into the world every year. That's a really good one. And I gave you a choo-choo train. Yes, well remembered. I didn't remember that, but you did. Um, 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 what, what else do we remember year on year, big moments in our lives? Yes. Birthdays, I'm glad you mentioned that one. Here is um, a Spider-Man birthday card from our house um, from a birthday recently, not mine. Um, uh, We remember birthdays. Birthdays are big moments that obviously change our lives and we remember year after year. Well, look, this morning we are thinking about a big moment that changed God's people, the Israelites, forever and which they always remembered. And it's all about how God saved his people from the 10 plagues against uh, Egypt and Pharaoh, their king, um, and broke his people out of Egypt. God told Pharaoh to let his people go. He kept telling him to let them go. But do you remember what Pharaoh said? Did he say yes? He said, he said no. That's right. He said, no, I will not let you go. And so God sent 10 plagues against Pharaoh, each time warning him that this plague was coming, giving him the chance to change his mind. And here are those 10 plagues, the plague of blood, uh, when the Nile became uh, blood, frogs, gnats, flies all over the land, Uh, a plague where lots of the livestock died, a plague of boils, a plague of hail, like we had the other day, a plague of locusts eating up all of the vegetation, a plague of darkness, and finally this tenth one, which we're focusing on this morning, the plague against the firstborn child in every home, the firstborn animal in all the livestock as well. That's the one we're thinking about. It's this plague, this worst of all plague that we're focusing on this morning, where the eldest child in every home would die if Pharaoh didn't change his mind and let God's people go. God had told his servant Moses to warn Pharaoh that this would come as one last chance for him to change his mind. But Pharaoh had said, no, he wasn't having any of it. And so God got ready to send this 10th plague. But before he sent it, God wanted to teach his people a lesson that would change them forever and which they would always remember. He wanted to show them how they could be saved from punishment and uh, the punishment for all their wrongdoing and their sins. 
So he showed them how to be safe from this 10th plague so that their firstborn children wouldn't die. This is what God said. First, he said, get a lamb. Look at these uh, verses, uh, verse, verse three. It says this, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. So here I've got myself um, a little lamb. Every household would have to have a little lamb, okay? And this is what God told them to do with the lamb. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Now, don't worry, we're not going to be too graphic this morning, so you'll just have to imagine that or maybe not imagine it in too much detail. Um, so we'll just, for the moment, we'll say bye-bye to um, our little lamb. They were told to slaughter the lamb, and God continued saying this in verse 7. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they will eat the lamb. Okay, so you've just imagined what happened before this. But they were to take some of the blood from that lamb and were to paint it on the door frames of their houses, on the side and across the top. And all the while, inside, someone was cooking and preparing the lamb for a meal um, that night. And so you could see in Egypt, everyone who was doing as God had told his people, I'll clean that up later, um, by putting the blood on the doorframe of their houses. And uh, this is uh, what God said they should do then. Uh, Verse 8. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. You see, then they had to eat up all of the lamb that had been cooked, so that all that was left was the bones. This is a, a lamb bone that I've uh, eaten earlier. Um, And uh, that's all that was left um, of uh, the lamb after they had eaten their meal. And then God gave them this final instruction, get ready to run. This is what um, he said. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. He's basically telling them to be dressed as though they're ready to run. They wouldn't actually leave Egypt until the next morning, but they had to dress kind of with their coats on, with their trainers on, to show that they were trusting that God was about to get them out of Egypt. So that's what God told them to do, and this is what God told them he would do. Look at verses 12 and 13. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Now, this was the big thing that God wanted his people to learn, okay? God saves his people with a sacrifice. 
Now, over the next few minutes, I'd love it if you could help me. And when I say those words, God saves his people, I'd love it if you could shout back to me with a sacrifice, okay? Can we just practice that? God saves his people with a sacrifice. Very good. A sacrifice is when something dies in order to take the punishment for someone else. And so the lamb would die so that every firstborn Israelite child could live. The lamb would be a sacrifice so that God's people could go free. God saves his people with a sacrifice. Well done. So Moses and his brother Aaron told the people what they needed to do, and the people listened. It says in verse 28, the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And then that very night, it happened, just as God had said it would. This is what it says. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and all the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. And so it was that Pharaoh, finally, who had kept saying no to letting God's people go, at last said yes. He tells the Israelites to get out of Egypt. And it's not just Pharaoh, it's, it's all the Egyptians are telling them to get out, go, leave at once. And more than that, They even give them their gold and silver and clothing on their way out. And so it says that they plundered the Egyptians. And so that is how God saved his people from the 10th plague and broke his people out of slavery in Egypt. God saves his people with a sacrifice. Now imagine for a moment with me, being a firstborn Israelite child, the morning after the Passover. You're just about to leave Egypt. You go to your bedroom and you pack up your bag with all of your things, pop it on your shoulder, and you're leaving your home for the last time, the only home you've ever known. And you go out through the front door and then you pause and look back for a moment as you leave your house for the last time. And what do you see? You see the bone of the lamb still there on the side in the kitchen from the meal the night before. And you see the blood of the lamb on the doorframe. And in that moment, you're reminded very strongly that the only reason you're alive, the only reason you're walking free, is because that lamb died in your place. And imagine how thankful you are in that moment for the lamb that died for you. That is the sort of moment that changes you forever, that stays with you, and which you always remember. And that's why God told his people to remember that night, year after year after year, by slaughtering a lamb, putting its blood on the doorframe of their house, eating the meat, and dressing like they're ready to run, to remember how God saved his people and set them free. It was the sort of thing that changes 
you forever. Remember this year after year, God had said. Now, when my uncle Peter was a young boy, he heard this story. And what he did was he got a chair and he put it outside his bedroom door. And he stood on the chair with a crayon in hand and scrawled red crayon all around his doorframe to try and cover his own back. Now, you can imagine that he got in a little bit of trouble with his parents for doing that. If you're thinking of doing that, don't do that. Not just because your parents will have it in for me, but because you don't need to. You don't need to do that. Because the reason God wanted his people to keep remembering every year that he had saved them with the sacrifice of a lamb was so that they would understand what was happening 1,500 years later when Jesus came into the world. Because in that moment, a man called John the Baptist saw Jesus and said some very important words. He said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And later on in the Bible, it says this, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And his blood has already been spilled for us when he died on the cross. His blood was shed for us. God saves his people with a sacrifice. There we go. And that sacrifice for us was Jesus. He is our Passover lamb. And he died in our place so that we could be saved from the punishment that would otherwise have been ours. And so that we could be set free to be friends with God forever. That is an amazing thing. And now, just like that Israelite firstborn child leaving their house, looking back at the doorframe and the blood there, when you and I think of the cross of Jesus, it should fill us with thankfulness and with love for Jesus. As we remember, the only reason that I'm alive is because Jesus died for me. The only reason that I'm forgiven and free is because Jesus died for me. The only reason I can enjoy a friendship with God forever is because Jesus died for me. And I would be punished for my sin were it not for this fact that Jesus died for me. And so I owe Jesus my life my loyalty, and my love. Some things change you forever, and they're things that you will always remember. And if you're a Christian here this morning, for us, that is the death of Jesus on the cross for us. If you're a Christian, let me say this to you. Never get bored of hearing about the cross. Never let that become old to you. Always remember that Jesus died for you. I remember a few years ago, a friend I was talking with, he um, told me about a Christian man he knows who is always full of love for Jesus. And he said this about him. He said, it's, it's as though he's never got over being saved. And I thought that was a wonderful thing to have said about you. If you're a Christian here today, 
let's never get over being saved. Let's never get bored of hearing about the cross. Because the only reason that you and I can live and have life with God forever is because Jesus died in our place to save us from the punishment for our sin, to set us free to enjoy friendship with him forever. And when you know that you have been loved like that, well, love like that just changes you forever. And so allow it to shape the rest of your life that Jesus loved you like that and gave his life for you on the cross. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're not sure that you are, God invites you to put your trust in Jesus and his death on the cross in your place. So can I ask you, what's stopping you becoming one of his people today? It's not hard to become a Christian. It simply means choosing to trust in Jesus and his death for you, that he is your Passover lamb and that he has died for you to forgive your sin and to set you free. It's not hard to become a Christian. What's stopping you from becoming one of his people today, just as Danny did a few months ago in his living room? Do you believe it is true that Jesus died for you? If so, start trusting him to save you today. Some things change us forever. They're things that we will always remember. And for us, that is the cross of Jesus. And so friends, let's always remember what he has done for us. And let's never get over being saved. Shall we pray together? Our heavenly father, we thank you for this great and wonderful news of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, for us. We are so thankful for him. And we pray that the cross would never for us get old. And if there's an extent to which it has, we pray that you would change that this morning for us. That we would see afresh the wonder and the beauty, the life-changing nature of what Jesus has done for us. We pray that we would make this news known as we remember it, not just annually, but daily. And I pray for anyone here who hasn't yet made that step to put their trust in Jesus, that you would help them too to see how wonderful this good news is and the truth of all that we've been hearing together this morning. Would this news change our lives forever? We pray. Amen.